praying. But amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't he awesome? God is so good. Thank you, brother. I love you, buddy. We are going to take a moment to pray over our wonderful youth pastor and his bride. And I'm going to have my wife come with him. As you may or may not know, Pastor Josh and Rebecca were married. And uh, this is their last Sunday on staff here. And so we'll be sending them back up into Phoenix area to be missionaries in the godforsaken desert. Come on. <laughs> yes. Love you, buddy. We've known this was coming for a long time. Come on, girl. We love you. Thank you. All right, we'll switch sides here. Since he's, we're doing things different okay. this service than last service, I, I, I'm, I'm laying hands on both of you, but I just want to be with you, buddy. Josh has been a very big blessing to us as a church, to our youth, to our lives, and to the entire congregation, and I know that. And then while he was here, as God blessed him with Rebecca, you know, when, when the Word of God, when you read that creation story, remember when it says in there that everything that God made was good and there came this moment or something wasn't good, and it says, it is not good for man to be alone. Amen. It's not. It's not a place that God wants us to be unless he's specifically called us to be. And so as God was completing Joshua, he brought Rebecca into his life. And that happened just like we were singing about through surrender. Yeah. He's carrying something with him for a long time, a very deep wound. And I'm not revealing anything. To, I'm just saying we, we carry those things, man. God's so good. We were sitting there at Chick-fil-A. Most of the time you hear me say I was at Starbucks because I know, but this was at Chick-fil-A. We were talking together and it was that moment where God was just like, it's time. Joshua, surrender. Give that to me and let go. So cool how God does that, isn't it? When we come, what's that? A week later. Yes, and one week later he met Rebecca. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, God gives cookies. <laughs> and here she is, standing in front of you. It's pretty cool how God does stuff, isn't it? Man, we're holding on to stuff. Why are we hanging on to stuff? Like, seriously. Look what... This is the way God works, man. You can hold on to that wound and that brokenness and that scar, and you can hold whatever you want you think you're, you know, holding on to. And God's like, will you give me that? I want to do something. <laughs> I'm not promising you a bride or a groom, whoever you may be seeking. However, God is good, isn't he? He always honors surrender. And here it is. And so today, as we are about to send them off, we would ask you to join with us. Would you extend your hands and pray over this young couple? Father, thank you for Jesus. God, we can't make it without you. We can't. They'll never survive without you, Lord. Their marriage will never succeed. Nothing will happen unless it's all about you. And so, Lord, we thank you for Joshua's surrender, Rebecca's surrender, and what you're doing in their lives today. And God, we just entrust them to you. We send them off with your blessing, your hand, your spirit leading, and you, God, will open the right door at the right time them to step in and fulfill the ministry that you've called them to fulfill. God, thank you. Thank you for the season that we've been able to enjoy with them. 
Thank you for the family of God and how we feel that bond of love that is real and it's you and you do it. And God, so we thank you for our son and daughter, your kids, as we release them to do the kingdom work that you've called them to do. We do so for your glory, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you. Yeah, love you. Do you have another gift for me? Yeah, no sunglasses. No. Oh. <laughs> I thought maybe he might have something else, but it's all right. All right. I'm just kidding. He gave me something in the last service because, yes, I do. <laughs> all right. So very blessed and excited. I want you to know that God is in control of all of this. If you're a, a parent or guardian of a, of a youth, you know, we sent out a, an email to you a few weeks ago. We've been working on this process for a long time, and I'm aware of what's happening, and we've known, and uh, God's in it, and uh, so there's some changes coming, but God's instrumenting those. He is, and he's guiding us through it, and so we're trusting God for all that he has planned for his kingdom and for his work as we move forward. So there will be changes in the youth ministry as a whole, and uh, those will begin next week, as those of you who are part of that already know. And if you are new to the church and you have teens, please reach out to us. We'll have some instructions on the website about how things are going, but God's got it. We're completely surrendered to whatever he wants to do as we move forward in this thing. We've been talking about spiritual battles, you know, for several weeks now as we look at what God's talking to us about. And as we embrace that and challenge that God has given to us, we've been talking about these things, and it's not always easily seen when those battles are happening. Battles that are easily seen are easily won. When the enemy comes to us with the identification like, I'm coming against you and I'm the devil, it's pretty easy to get away. When we read the temptation of Jesus in Matthew chapter 3, I'm a firm believer that, Je that the, when Jesus was dealing with the enemy, it wasn't like the devil was standing there like we picture him with, four, with horns on his head and a pitchfork in his hand and all that. He's not like that. God's word tells us, church, we need to remember this. The world doesn't know this, but we in the church should know what God's word says and how God's word identifies the devil. The Word of God tells us that He comes as an angel of light to deceive the world. Therefore, He comes in the, the form of faith and religion, misguiding light, deception, partial truth. That's the way the enemy comes. None of us would have a hard time turning away if He came to us with a pitchfork, horns, and fire. We wouldn't. We'd win that battle easily. He would scare us if we saw him for who he was. But he's the great deceiver. He's a liar. God's word tells us that he comes to us like that light. Therefore, church, hear me when I say this. So I, I don't want you to feel self-condemned as we say this, but hear it. Many of us have been lied to about our own faith. We have seen false light and owned it. And we've lived in that false light, believing that we're right. When the Word of God speaks to us a truth that we need to embrace, we need to embrace the Spirit of God and the Word of truth. And therefore, this is not a message to make you doubt your salvation. It's not going to do that. The Holy Spirit is the affirmation of our salvation. We should know we're saved. If you don't know you're saved, you need to come to the altar today because God's word tells us that the Spirit affirms that we're a child of God, right? 
It's in the Word. Okay, so we shouldn't be deceived. But I do believe that many in the church and the Christian community have been deceived by the false light. And here's the deal that happens oftentimes is the, the spiritual battles that are happening are like hard to see, hard to identify in the moment because the enemy tries to come to us in the natural world camouflaged in some way because he wants to deceive us and he wants us to step in the wrong direction. That's why God's word tells us to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Because if the enemy can get us to look at anything else, he knows that we will fall. It's just a matter of time. So church, as we look at what God is saying to us and we continue forward with the message that he's calling us into, you and I need to be much more aware of what is happening in the spiritual battles that are taking place. All right. So the last service didn't follow a norm. Just telling you, it's a good thing. We were just singing about it, so I'm glad. God was moving to do something different. As I come into the second service, which this is what we're in right now, uh, you know, I, I, I say, Lord, I, I need to kind of remove all that stuff. And like, what do you want to do? What do you want to say in this moment right now? Oftentimes the message doesn't come out exactly the same as we wait on God and what he wants to say. So what we need to see is what is God dealing with us about and what is the truth that God wants to reveal to us in this moment right here, right now, because he knows you and I and he knows why we're here and he knows what he wants to do. So let's hear what God's word reveals to us about our walk with God and the realities of living in this world as obedient children of God. For God has called us to a life of obedience to him. In Ephesians chapter 2, I want to read you these scriptures, and you should probably mark these in your electronic device, notes, whatever you need to do. I really believe that we should spend some time in our personal devotions, all of us, this week in Ephesians chapter 2. Listen to what God's word says, starting in verse 1. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. So the word of God says, all of us were dead because of our disobedience and our many sins. Now, as we establish that, the Word of God tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Right? Yeah. Y'all know that was you and me, right? More than one amen would be nice. Y'all know this. I'm not giving you some new revelation. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Every single one of us. And the Word of God says this, once you were dead because of your what? That's exactly what the last service said, but you didn't read what the Word of God said, is it? Now, that wasn't a trick. Listen. Listen to what it says. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Pretty important to see that. You see, because disobedience is rebellion it is the root and where it comes from the sin in the act of it itself is disobedience so as god drew the line for adam and eve in the beginning around the tree no everything else is okay obedience is everywhere else but if you cross this line that is disobedience and sin is born you see that? So it took an act of disobedience 
to engage sin. Right? So temptation was calling to step across. So disobedience was in the act of stepping across, and that's where sin was born. So when we look in the Word of God, He says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. So I used the illustration, didn't plan on it, but Eric brought up cookies because Pete brought up cookies, and I love chocolate chip cookies, all right? It's not my number one thing. I'm not a big sweets guy, but if I am, it's chocolate chip cookies, and I don't know why anybody makes anything else. Other than seven-layer cookies, I'll, I'll compromise you with that. But you know, with the chocolate chip cookie, if you've never done it, you get it out of the oven warm and put butter on it. Seriously, I'm a butter. That is my weakness, not chocolate. Butter is my weakness. I put it on everything. If you've never eaten a cookie with butter on it, put it on there. That's your sidebar blessing today, okay? Go ahead. Just try it. Go home and make some today, and while they're warm, bring them to my house. All right, so... I don't like them when they're not warm. So anyway, but you know you could butter them and put them in the microwave and it's just like come out of the oven. All right, sorry. I told you I like this, all right? So here we go. My wife's baking chocolate chip cookies. She's not right now, but let's just say she is. It's in the house. I smell it. My first thing is like, yep, I'm in, right? And I'm like, I'm ready. And there's this desire inside of me that is born with the scent of what I'm smelling. I haven't even seen them yet. They're not even out of the oven yet. But I'm sensing something, and it's like there's something in my flesh that's saying, that's you, man. And then this dreaded word comes to me. Those aren't for you. <laughs> so when they come out, don't touch them. Right? Okay, so... When that moment happens, follow this, follow this, stay with me here. Prior to that moment, all my senses were kicking in. Everything was fine. There was nothing wrong in having a cookie. But now someone said, don't have one. All of a sudden now, there's a decision I have to make, either obedience or disobedience. I either have to honor what she has stated about this, and she is the authority over those cookies, for she made them. And she has a plan. But see, I'm not part of that plan, and in my mind, I'm like, I don't care about that plan. And to me, it's like, 11 is still a gift. <laughs> Therefore, see, in my mind, automatically, when she begins to tell me those aren't for you, don't take one, I'm already justifying why it would be okay for me to have one. Because they didn't know they were getting 12 anyway. And if we even gave them 10, they should be grateful. Because prior to that gift, they had none. So the way I view it in my mind is, if I take two and they get 10, what is wrong with this? Only one thing. She said, don't. So when I read in the Word of God, he says this. You see, like, this temptation is now established inside of me on whether I will obey or disobey the word that I've been given. And the word of God says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin. You used to always disobey. You just did whatever you wanted because you smelled it. It satisfied the desire in your flesh and you wanted it, therefore you went after it. 
It's called sin. It's part of our nature when we're born, and therefore it is natural to us to go after it. It's that scent. It's that call. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. That's a crazy statement, isn't it? Church, because you see, nobody that's not walking with Jesus today would say, oh, I'm, I am obeying the devil. But see, the Word of God says if you're not obeying God, you are obeying the devil. We think like, oh, well, that's, those are Satanists. Those are people that are possessed. Those are people of the Satanic church. And all those things are, exist and they are, all are real. And so we view them as those people living in that kind of darkness. But if we're not being obedient to God, we don't see ourselves as being under the authority of Satan and obeying him. But the word of God says, you're either obeying God or you're obeying Satan. There is no neutral ground. Church, this is serious stuff here. When the Word of God is talking to us, it says this, and I read it to you, but sometimes it doesn't register in our hearts when we see this. It says, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. Why did he say that? Because he's talking to you and I who are born-again Christians, made new in the power of God. We're no longer living the way we used to by just following whatever scent brings desire to our heart. We are no longer living like that, but we used to. You remember your old life? You remember before Jesus? Do you recall that? Okay, you know this. You crossed those lines willingly, and you didn't care. I'm, we all did. We all have. And I can tell you in my rebellious heart, I knew who God was. I knew that Jesus was real. I knew that he loved me and that he called me to have a relationship with him. I knew all that. I was taught that truth as a child. And I blatantly crossed that line, knowing that truth on purpose, often running across that line to do whatever it was in complete defiance of God. <sighs> That's why I like when I say things <laughs> to you guys like I'm in awe that God would ever even care about me man that he would ever call me hey Dave come here I love you <laughs> because see I look back and I remember those moments of complete disobedience telling him no this guy right here this little tiny human beings spoke to the creator of the universe and just said nah nope You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Do you hear that? Every individual who is not surrendered and living in obedience to God has given themselves to the spirit of the enemy. God's word just said that to us church it says it right there he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey god it wasn't dave saying no to god it was dave acting in the spirit of rebellion sin the enemy himself acting in defiance against god 
I am not this, this like saying I wasn't involved or it's not my fault. No, it was 100% my fault. I knew. And I acted in the spirit of my commander, the devil himself. Church, there is no neutral ground. You are either living in obedience to God or are you living in disobedience to God? One or the other. And you know. <laughs> so if you're not living in obedience to God, who are you living in obedience to? See, like we have a lot of excuses right now, right? I mean, I mean, you know what I'm saying. Our mind is going like, well, no, I mean, it's not really like that. It's not like I'm saying no to God. We're negotiating right now. <laughs> I'm not rebelling. I'm just talking to him about doing something different. <laughs> going a different route, dealing with it on this, these terms. Remember when I was looking at the cookies and I'm justifying and thinking and talking it through? And, and it may be that I come over and I'm trying to convince Kim, like, you know, it's not really a big deal if I have one. You often give them, you, you make these for me. So what's the big deal? So I'm trying to negotiate because I want something. When she's already has a plan, she's orchestrated that plan. She knows what's happening. I only know my own selfish desires. And when I look at the Word of God, this is exactly what he's talking about. What is that work in you? It's either her way or my way. And everything inside of me thinks it should be my way right come on give me an amen somebody <laughs> right <laughs> all right <laughs> so here it is i'm like justifying it i'm saying it so it's either one side or the other it's either we're going to do it her way and what she said no matter what my flesh desires feels or wants it's an act of obedience or disobedience that's the line okay when we came to god and received forgiveness we became obedient to a different power. The Word of God tells us this flat out. We become obedient to God, no longer to the devil. See what it said in that scripture I read to you. It says, the believer no longer lives in sin like the rest of the world. God has removed us and taken over the authority before the enemy had authority in my life. I thought it was me all along. Aren't we crazy? I really think I was in charge. I did. I thought I was. And it was me that was making all these decisions. I was nothing more than a little pawn in the hands of the enemy. And he was defying God through me. Believer no longer lives in sin like the rest of the world. Let me read the scriptures. All of us used to live that way. What way is that? What does it tell us? Listen to it. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. What we did is we lived for the flesh, for my desire like that scent caught my nose and it's like I'm in and I go if someone said don't it's plugging my ears don't care what you say I want that cookie <laughs> yeah. and that's what we do and that's what we did 
And God see, when he established the no in the very beginning, in the very beginning, God said no. And the word of God says, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Every one of us have crossed the line of no with our own yes. And so we were subject to God's anger. Like we fell under the, the, the righteous law of God where he said sin results in death. Therefore, we died with our own yes. And we were born in that yes. And we were born with a natural tendency to go with my yes and no to his yes. Listen to the word of God now. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Man, that is awesome stuff right there, church. We can pause so you can applaud. Oh, thank you, God. You are amazing. For God, the word tells us that, you know, I was a subject of your anger. Isn't that crazy? Have you ever thought about that? You were like the subject of God's anger. What was it? Your sinful will. Your desire to satisfy your own flesh and not live in obedience to God. But God is so merciful and He loves us so much that even in spite of that object of His anger, He reached down in love and said, I'm going to do something for you in that stupid place you put yourself. And I'm going to call you into something that you can't do for yourself. And I'm going to do something for you that you can't accomplish on your own. Man, that's awesome. It's like, God, why? I don't deserve that. I am not only the object of your anger, I flaunt it in front of you. <laughs> I ate my cookie right in your face when you said no. Think about it, man. Think about what we were doing, how we did that. And that God's like right here, he's like, but I, I, I'm, I am so rich in mercy and I love you so much that I'm still trying to reach to you while you're arrogantly eating that cookie with chocolate on your face. <laughs> wow. Man, is he amazing. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. Verse 6, For He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms because we were united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as an example of the incredible wealth of His grace and kindness toward us as shown in all that He has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by His grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Whew. Yeah, just sit there and just receive that gift. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> when you believed, see, it was that moment where the mercy of God was reaching and you finally came to that place where, God, this cookie is really the source of what's making me sick. 
My flesh still desires more, but I'm sick in my stomach. The sense still calls, but it's doing nothing for me. I cannot tell you how many times that I went out there engaged in that stuff that is out there in the world because the scent told me it was good only to find out that afterwards I was sick. God saved you by His grace when you believed. And in that moment that I said, I'm sick of my life. I'm sick of how I feel. I'm sick of my decisions. I'm sick of running. <laughs> I surrender. In that moment, God was like, I got you. See, that's grace in action. That's love in action. That's only God. And he says, you can't take credit for this, Dave. It had nothing to do with you. It's because of who I am that this relationship started in the first place was even made possible to you. It's because of what I've done. So church, it's a fact that we are saved by God through the work of Jesus Christ, right? We know this. You're not saved by anything you do. I'm not saved by anything I do. I'm not scoring points with God because I'm up here talking to you. He's not like, he's not, hey, there's another gold star for you, Dave. Way to go, buddy. You're almost there. Nope. None of that's happening. Our salvation is a gift. You and I can't earn it. It's not a scorecard that God's keeping. We're just, he's just like, well, if you keep doing good, your good's going to outweigh your bad, and then you're going to make it to heaven. Do you know how many people believe that lie? Remember the angel of light that tried to deceive the world? I'm not a bad person. I haven't killed anybody. I've heard that come out of the lips of people. I'm not a bad person. God's not going to put me in hell. No, you're going to put yourself there because you rejected God's offer of grace, which is Jesus Christ. God's not going to put anybody there. We put ourselves there. He's offered life. We just have to receive it. Church, man, when we look at this, it's like, man, you know, when I'm having a conversation with people and, I, and, and God opens those doors and I'm like, you know, well, where do you go to church? Oh, I don't go to church. I mean, you know, I'm like, oh, but I do believe and I'm a good person. That's like the first defense we start going to. Like, I don't have to go to church to be saved. No, you get saved by Jesus and then he says you go to church. Just so you know, I mean, it's biblical. It is there and we're not gonna get off on that. See, our salvation is a gift that God gives to us. If we could simply be saved by good deeds, then why did Jesus die in the first place? Right? I mean, people were doing good things before he died. They were. The Bible records some of them. Some amazing people lived some amazing lives. But you see, they weren't righteous with all they did. No matter how much they lived by the law of God, they still weren't righteous. See, if the law, the Old Testament, that's what that is I'm talking about, the Old Testament law. If the law could make you righteous, then Jesus wouldn't have had to die. It can't make you righteous. All your religious behavior can't make you righteous. The only thing that makes us righteous is obedience to who God is and what He says in our life. So as we look in the Word of God again and we continue to look at this, see the penalty of death is the only payment for sin. Therefore, Jesus had to die. And Jesus had to die in the flesh to make a way to defeat sin in the flesh. Therefore, our salvation is an act of God on our behalf as an act of love on our behalf, and it was an act of obedience to the Father's will in Jesus' life to make this all possible. 
Okay, so now we clearly know, and we all should know this already, that our salvation is a gift that we cannot earn, right? I mean, we know that. You're not doing it by a scorecard. It's only by God's grace. So as we clearly see this, our response to the gift that God's given to us, we're challenging the scriptures that we used to be obedient to the devil. Now we're obedient to God, right? We read that in the scriptures. So we're going to read a little bit further this time in what the word of God says. Here's what it said in verse number eight. This is back to Ephesians 2. God saved you by his grace when you believed. There was that moment of birth, that moment of salvation, the moment you came into agreement with who God is and what he's done for you. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so none of us can boast about it. That's God's word. So you see, there's, it's not about us being good. It's very clear. I'm not going to belabor the point. I just want us to hear that point because it's so important that we read the next verse. For we are God's masterpiece. You know how the devil tries to tell you how jacked up you are and how you're not worthy and you're a mess and all this? God's word, God says that when you have accepted his free gift of salvation, you are now God's masterpiece. You're not that broken piece of junk any longer you're god's masterpiece <laughs> now i'm not into art you know i mean i mean i appreciate stuff that's out there most of it you know but there's some of that stuff i look at and like, i don't get it Amen. so that may be you and me but to god you're a masterpiece right <laughs> it's all that matters is how god sees us doesn't matter what the world sees so what God sees is what matters. And he's like, you're my masterpiece. But wait a minute, we're not done that because when we own that part, we can say, well, I'm not there yet. I may not look like this. I may not be this. No, wait, God's not done here. He says, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. I'm not that old guy. I'm no longer David Dahlberg, that guy that was born in Garden City, Michigan. This is not him. I'm not that guy. I'm not the guy that chased after the cookies and told God no. That guy's dead. He died. And an altar of prayer, when I said yes to God, God killed him through Jesus Christ. He placed that guy on the cross with Jesus Christ. That's what the Word of God says. And now I've been made new. And as I'm being made new, something tells me in the Word of God this. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things that He planned for us long ago. Now here comes the obedience in Acts. The good deeds, here's where it's at. It's found, it's biblical. See, a lot of people get confused and they think we're trying to earn our salvation by doing things. That's not what the Word of God says. That's not what I teach. That's not what God says. God says that the free gift of salvation has been given and now because God did a work in us and He's made us new and Christ is the new authority, the devil's no longer the authority Christ is, then I'm going to naturally do the things God's called me to do. That's the like of obedience. That's the good deeds. That's the stuff that glorifies the Father. Church, God does something in us and then God does something through us. Amen. We're not left in our broken state. 
We no longer live like the world does. God's word tells us we live a different life, a new life by the power of God. So the obedience, the good deeds, a result of what God has done in us. What God has done is removed us from under the authority of the devil. (laughs) All right? Stop proclaiming that you are still under his authority. What I mean by that is a lot of Christians say, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm a despicable, sinful creature. No, you're not. Stop declaring that lie. That's from the pits of hell. I want you to hear what God says. You are my masterpiece. And I have given you a new life. Where we get confused often in the Christian community is when the enemy tempts us, we feel dirty. I'm grateful you feel dirty when you're tempted. We should. Because sin is dirty. It's ugly. It's a mess. It destroys. But a lot of people have confused the fact that when they're tempted... They think they're sinning. Remember this. Disobedience is stepping in knowing there's a no. Right? Don't touch that cookie, Dave. Those aren't for you. Prior to that moment, it's fine. If she just made cookies, I can eat them. But once the no is established, I have a decision to make. I'm either stepping in anyway or I'm staying over here. That's obedience or disobedience, right? So as we're talking about this, see that the devil is pumping cookie scent in the air for you. (laughs) That's what he's doing. He's like, you want this. I know you do. You want this. Whatever it is, that's what he's doing. And see, then your natural flesh smells that. And it's like, that smells good. And then your brain says, I want that. And see, all those senses happen before you even realize it. So when I walk in the door, Kim doesn't have to say, I'm baking cookies. I'm like, she's baking cookies. (laughs) I know what's happening right here. All right? And all is good until the no happens, all right? So now this is what we're saying. The Holy Spirit gives us the no. God's word declares to us with every temptation he makes a way of escape. 1 Corinthians, right? So when the enemy's wafting that scent towards us, trying to get us to go, like just go for it, man. It's okay, you deserve it, you earn it. It's not that bad, it's not a big deal. All those deceiving things he tells us, it's just one glance, it's just one touch, it's just one moment, it's just one experience. You can do this, it's not a big deal. Nobody's gonna see, you know? There's that scent. There's that that call. That's the deceiver. He's talking. And the Holy Spirit's waving a flag saying, dude, get out. No. So here is where, church, we need to understand the difference between sin and temptation. I have not sinned prior to the moment I hear the no. No. I haven't. Because it may be okay for me to have a cookie. But once the nose established and the Holy Spirit waves that flag, you're done. Get out of the house. Right? 
Why stand there and torment yourself? Because you're not going to stay there. Church, you hear me? Seriously. You stand at the counter looking at the cookies, you're eating a cookie. (laughs) You are. You know that. That's why he says he makes a way of escape. Get out, man. You're not strong enough in your flesh to say no. You're going to give in. So the Spirit of God's calling and He's saying, wait a minute, you have a new authority. There's something new in charge now. I'm not just telling you no. See, the Holy Spirit says, not only is it no, I'm I'm grabbing a hold of you right now and I'm saying we're going this way. Right? You see, that's the new authority in me and the Spirit of God saying, nope, we're going this way. Therefore, I have to reject the Holy Spirit to cross that line on my own. It's a, it's, a, it's a call, it's a willing, it's a stepping, it's a disobedience to what God's saying, and that's where sin resides. We don't have to. Church, I, I want you to see how simple, and I mean this, how simple it is to live in obedience to God. It's simply allowing Him to be the authority and doing what He says. There are no cookies here. I'm so like, it's so easy to not even desire a cookie even though I'm talking about it. I don't smell it. Like, nah, I'm good. But if I go out there, it's a different environment. It's a different world. And it's calling and it's got all kinds of stuff that's being sent to us, right? Church, temptation isn't sin. The Word of God tells us that Jesus was tempted in every way like you and I. Yet, without sin he did not cross the line he was called look jesus wasn't just tempted in matthew 3 when he was in the wilderness with the devil come on i hope you don't think that that experience is given to us to see how he defeated the enemy through the word of god and through surrender to the father he did not defeat that temptation in his godness if he defeated that in his godness you and i have no hope He had to win the battle in the flesh by the surrender to the will of the Father. Otherwise, it's pointless for me and you. We're done for. But see, it wasn't just that that he did. The Word of God says he was tempted in every way like you and I. Therefore, he was tempted to gossip about somebody. Isn't Peter a jerk? I mean, does the guy ever stop talking? You know what I mean? Like he's talking to John. John, I love you, you know. You're called the beloved. That's what the Word of God says. So, you know, like, what's with that Peter guy? Couldn't you have knocked him in the water a few times when you guys were out fishing and maybe, like, get him to stop with his stuff? You know, wasn't the enemy saying, hey, Jesus, check Martha out. You know, you cast out the demon. She's a pretty amazing woman right now. Check her out. I mean, right now my mom would have smacked me if I was a kid and said that to her. (laughs) I'm serious, but the truth is the Word of God says that Jesus was tempted in every way like you and I are, yet without sin. And so the voice did call him to those encounters. Didn't it? It had to have. (laughs) Yeah. But no, he wouldn't. (laughs) He wouldn't cross the line. Thank you, God. See, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, God's word says this. It is God who enables us, along with you, to stand firm for Christ. 
he has commissioned us and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised. So now we see that the fact of the matter is as God talks to us that it is the Holy Spirit now residing within us. God himself lives in us. He is the new authority in my life. I'm no longer under the authority of the devil. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm made new in Christ. Now there's a new authority in my life. Church, we've got to own that authority. Own it, man. It's the Holy Spirit at work in you. It is God himself. If God can't defeat the temptations of the enemy in your life, then what God is he? I'm not saying that lightly. See, I I will say again, the scriptures agree and tell us this. God has even done this in us. He's like, I already know you can't do this on your own. I'm forgiving you. I'm giving you grace and love. I've taken away your sin, but I already know you're going to screw it up again. So now I'm going to come and live in you. Because in your flesh, you still can't do it. Therefore, I will now live in you. And there is a new authority taking residence. Now you serve the one true living God. <laughs> Man, is that awesome or what? So I, I'm, I'm acting in obedience under the authority of God, the Holy Spirit in my life. That's all there is to it. It's that simple. Why are we complicating it? See, what I must surrender to on a regular basis is to whom am I surrendering obedience to? I want to read Romans 8 to you. We're almost done. I did say almost. So now... <laughs> everybody wants cookies I know all right ready so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus isn't that awesome no condemnation so when the liar's telling you you're not this you're not that he's a liar that's not God God says you are a masterpiece that I've created there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus because you belong to him The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. I'm not a slave to that stuff anymore. Old Dave was. Not only was old Dave a slave to it, he ran to it. He willingly embraced it. But he says, this isn't you anymore because now you belong to God. (laughs) The power of the life giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death the law of moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature it's right there in the bible church god's word says you know your all your religious actions couldn't save you god created the law to teach us how we needed him and we couldn't live right no matter what <laughs> it's awesome so god did what the law could not do He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. Right? Born in the flesh. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. (laughs) All right. Hey, I don't want to keep telling you what to do, but we ought to get a little excited right there. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, man, when I read that, I'm like, are you kidding me? 
I mean, it's like in, in, in that body, God declare an end to sin's control over us. This isn't some future thing. It's right then and there. When Christ defeated sin at the cross and He conquered death and the resurrection, it was right there God did it. It's available, church, for me and you to live. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Wow. It's that simple, huh? You just no longer follow the fleshly desires you follow. Yep, that simple. Keep reading. Listen. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Think about, dwell upon, meditate upon, right? Yeah. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. <laughs> That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are controlled by what? Not by your sinful nature. Church, he's talking to those who have said yes to Jesus right here, right? Those who have had the deposit of the Holy Spirit in your life. The Word of God says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. <laughs> and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. You see where there's no neutral ground? You're either living in obedience and in agreement with God or you're not. It's God's Word. So the battle of obedience takes place in the mind, which is where most temptation takes place. Who we are obedient to is whoever controls our mind. <laughs> we surrender our obedience to whatever thought we follow. I can go any direction I want to. My brain can take me anywhere in the universe if I let it. <laughs> so we return to the section of Scripture that we've been to several times throughout the past few years. And it's found in Philippians chapter 4. Listen to what the Word of God tells us here. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. All right, bring it to God first. And as you're bringing it to God and talking to Him about it, He says, now, in the midst of what you're asking for, don't forget to thank Him for everything He's already done. See, that, that gets us in a different place up here. And the Word of God tells us this, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. <laughs> His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. It's like, see, God's not like leaving us on our own. He's standing guard. He's watching over us. He's protecting our mind and our heart if we stay in obedience to Him, right? If we stay with Him in this, 
We don't allow our mind to take control of stuff. That's why he says, don't worry about anything. Don't go down that road. As soon as you start owning the unknown, you're following something you have no business following and you're going to end up in a bad place. Amen. It's God's word, man. Then you'll experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Do you see where it's rooted? It's rooted right here. That's where it's at. This is where the obedience, disobedience happens. This is where sin is born. Right there. And therefore, I must come to God with all those things that the world, the devil, calls me to embrace, engage, and fearful of, and wonder about, and desire, and all that stuff. And he's like, come on, bring it to me. Come to me. He's like, just give it to me and remember what I've done. And he's like, now I'm on guard. We're together, and I have this because I am the authority. I'm talking about God here. My power and authority has you now. Now, Dave, you need to fix your thoughts and what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I don't know about you, but if I watch the news, I don't see any of that. If I visit your social media page, not there either. I don't visit your social media page. Don't worry, I'm not in there. I can't think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise when I'm on social media. This is what God's telling us. He's saying, look, there's a battlefield happening. It's in your mind. And, and we've got to get a control of this thing by surrender to the obedience to the power and the authority of my life, which is the Holy Spirit. Because the enemy's trying to get me to go that way or that way or that way or the, any direction he can get me to go other than straight to the source of my power, which is Christ. Any direction he can get to. The battlefield of mine. This is the, the formula that God has given us to, you know, let the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit be the authority in my life and not the devil. This is the formula that's given to us. The enemy wants to take you down the road of disobedience and death. That's his desire for us. He's always trying to get us there. If he came to us with those horns and pitchforks, it'd be real easy for us to run. He would never listen. If he really revealed who he was to us, we would be petrified. We would. He doesn't come that way. He's a little deceiver. He's just kind of spreading that desirous, fleshly thing that he can appeal to us. And he cloaks himself in righteousness to try and make us feel good about ourselves as we step across the line. The Holy Spirit is faithful, man, and He calls us to this life that He's called us to live. And we got to go down the road of life and not the road of death. And the road of life is a road of obedience. We have to choose what road we go down every day. And it doesn't just like, well, I'm going to choose you today and go on my way. It's like, I choose you, Lord. I choose you, Lord. <laughs> I choose you, Lord. <laughs> right? It's that obedience to Him. When I first gave my life to Christ way many years ago, uh, godly man was preaching when we gave our lives to Christ and was talking about how to live this life, you know, because I had tried before and failed miserably. You know, I did. I turned back to my own ways and did my own thing and 
backslid and walked against God and stuff. And he was like, Dave, can you trust God to live the next five minutes for him in obedience? Absolutely, there's no problem. See, I was trying to think of how I would do this in the big picture. And he was like, can you live in full obedience to God for the next five minutes? Sure. He said, then if you can do that and then the next five minutes you pray over that and you begin to do this, then why can't you just live in obedience? Like, I guess I can. See, I was looking way down the road thinking of all the challenges I would face and he was saying, just deal with what's in front of you and God's got the power to beat that. Just beat that. And so I literally, I, I'm not exaggerating, at that time I was working in, in um, actually my brother-in-law's um, at that, we weren't married then. It was going to be my future brother-in-law's print shop. And I would look at the clock and it would be like, yep, God, you got me. I'm not that guy anymore. <laughs> Every time I look over the clock, I'm yours, God. I'm yours, God. I'm yours, God. We're in this. We got this. My life of surrender and obedience began in this incredible journey of beginning to understand that surrendered life that God has called me to. God's not asking you to do something way down the road, church. He's just asking you to be obedient right now. Don't worry about down the road. Just be obedient right now. So what is it that God's asking you to be obedient to right now? Who are you listening to? Are you listening to God? Are you being obedient to the Holy Spirit in your life? Or are you being obedient to the devil? You're being obedient to one or the other, right? Who is it? If it's not God, then you need to come up here and repent and say, yes, God, I'm here. I'm all in. I want to be obedient to you. And the spiritual battles have taken place in your mind this week. Who's won the battle? To whom have you surrendered your obedience? During service today, whom have you been obedient to? You see, the enemy goes to church too. I know he does. And he's trying to get us to think about everything else. Anything else. Get us off track. Don't listen. I don't believe what he's saying. That guy's nuts. They tell us every week we're not a perfect church. We're not a perfect people. Why would I listen to anything he has to say? You know that voice, the enemy? Yakin? He doesn't know who you really are. No, God does. God knows how the enemy has tried to deceive you into believing you can't live for him. Church, not only can you, you have to. And it's nothing that he's saying you can do on your own. He already knows you can't. Neither can I. The only way we can is by the Holy Spirit's power in our life, which he has placed there. Isn't that amazing? Think about it. It's so, it's so cool. <laughs> it's so easy. Seriously, it is easy. Yes, Lord. That's all. Yes, Lord. No, Satan. Yes, Lord. No, Satan. Yes, Lord. It's that easy. You ready? Let's do it then. If you need to come to the altar to say yes, come on. If you want to say no, you can do that. God's given you that ability. He's gave you his uh, sovereignty. You have the authority over your life to say yes to him or not. It's your choice. Thank you. Thanks for being here today. This, this God we serve is so amazing. God, we are in awe of who you are what you're doing in our lives and what you're doing and what you've done for us. God, we're so undeserved. We, oh, God. <laughs> My mind often goes to the why, God. Why would you ever care about me? I so don't deserve it. And it's the very definition of mercy and grace. 
It's love. It's love in action. Thank you, God. None of us deserve it. Thank you for giving us this free gift of a relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus, for making it possible for us to have this. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for dwelling within us and giving us the power to live a new life of obedience. Thank you, God. Thank you. Close it at the altar, God, I pray. (laughs) Those that are online watching, those that are in their seats, God, I thank you. Thank you for what you are doing right here, right now, in this moment of our life. We give you glory, honor, and praise for what you are and who you are and what you're doing, God. It is in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen and amen. Amen, church. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here today. You're dismissed. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.